right, welcome, welcome to the show. This is Leading the Way, a Ranger's Heart podcast. I am your host, Michael Cowboy Curtis. That's right, partner. Buckle up. We are heading to the ranch. And in today's episode, I take a little trip up I-35 to Georgetown, Texas, and I stop at a place called Ride On Center for Kids, better known as The Rock. And you'll hear me uh, reference that uh, several times throughout the podcast. So anytime we say rock, it's the Ride On Center for Kids. It's an incredibly awesome facility. Uh, it's about 60 acres spread on a ranch. Uh, they got it complete with um, an indoor arena, pasture, the whole nine yards. In fact, when I got there, stepped out of the car, and as our guest Kevin will say, it's the cathedral on the hill, and it truly felt that way, uh, walking right onto that uh, beautiful, beautiful facility. We get to sit down with a real genuine cowboy, Mr. Kevin Bowers. He is one of many of a PATH International Certified Therapeutic Riding Instructor. <sighs> Try to say that one five times fast. But really, he is just a good man, a good-hearted cowboy, uh, trying to make a difference in the world. And when you hear his story, or as many as stories, uh, I, I had a hard time uh, in an interview going or asking questions because I, I, I almost want to sit there and just tear up and just, just leave it at that. It were, they were so beautiful. I felt even healed a little bit myself uh, talking to Kevin. It just... I I'm it's hard to explain in, the, in going before this because it's just so powerful. But uh, really appreciate Kevin and everything and everybody out there and what they do. So uh, I'll have some more information about uh, the Rock tied to the notes. Uh, it's it's RockRide.org if you want to get in touch with them. They got a big uh, barn dance coming up on April fourth. Uh, come out help support them. They need that support so they can do what they do. All right, and before we get started, like always, uh, please subscribe to this podcast. Uh, leave some feedback on iTunes, rate us, uh, follow us on uh, Spotify, uh, Google Play, uh, or anywhere you get your podcast. Leave some notes that helps others uh, know that we're out here. And last but not least, uh, check out sharethewill.org. We have our big uh, uh, breakfast, uh, pancake breakfast coming up with the Texas School for the Deaf. Uh, that's coming up on Saturday, February 1st. Come out, support that, have some fun. And uh, I think we're going to have uh, some classic cars there, uh, a fishing pond, the whole works, and lots of bacon. So we'll hope to see everybody out there. So in the meantime, let's uh, hope you already have that coffee finished. Let's get those cowboy hats, the boots on, saddle up, and head out to the range. The Lone Ranger. horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hi-Oh Silver! Away! Away! Do you remember that show? I remember it very well, sir. What were some of the shows you watched as a kid? I watched all the westerns. All the westerns? Yeah. I used to, every, every Saturday and Sunday, I'd be, I'd be watching westerns. And uh, I'd watch, I, I was hooked on, on uh, Clint Eastwood. Clint, yeah, he's a good one. I wanted to kind of go through, like... What is your favorite Western TV show or movie of all time? Like, if you name maybe top two or three. I know number one is always hard, but what's your, like, number one or two? I like 
all of the westerns that Eastwood did, the old ones and oh, the new you ones. You talking the spaghetti western ones? The spaghetti westerns with Leon. Yeah, did, the man was, with no name. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, I love that one. Yeah. You know, we were talking maybe a little history earlier, and like that music on the uh, the good, bad, and the ugly, and yeah. they do the Civil War. Like every time, it's just that music is so raw yeah. and painful, but also sweet. And I don't know how the best way to describe it, but I, I actually have that soundtrack on my phone. I listen to it. It touches the soul. Very much so. Pale Rider. Pale Rider. Love. The good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. Now, I have to ask those too for all the movies, who is your favorite cowboy actor, though? Like, what actor is, like, if you wanted to be a cowboy or that was a cowboy actor, who would that be? It would have been Eastwood. What, Eastwood? Yeah, I really great. did. I used to, you know, I, I, I would watch John Wayne. I'd watch all the old classics. Uh, but something about Eastwood always touched my soul. Two, well, two things. One was his horse. He had this sorrel horse with the the blaze on the nose and the and the and the white stockings on it that I always wanted. And I eventually, my wife got me from BLM a Mustang with all of those markings. Most incredible horse that that, that I ever had. And but there was something about Eastwood that there was bad in him and good. Yeah, the which ba- I think exists well, he, in all of us. He played. He always plays that character like Unforgiven. Yeah. That's always a good one. Yeah. Now, I had to think about when I when I was thinking about this question for you, I had to think about what would be my own. Right. You know, the, I, I'm just kind of curious to compare, and I'm gonna throw one at you probably that would surprise you, as a cowboy that I like. Actually, there's a couple, but the one as a kid I never liked the movie until I got older. Is one of those appreciate now I love it. Is Quigley Down Under, Tom Selleck. Oh my God! There's a favorite quote in that movie that I love so much. Some men are born in the wrong century. I think I was born on the wrong continent. (laughs) Oh, by the way, you're fired. This ain't Dodge City. And you ain't Bill Hickok. I never watched that until the last three or four years. Now I've watched it about five times. I love it. So that's one. This one. So now I'm I'm glad you brought up to this because every cowboy needs a noble steed, and for you, when did you like? What is your earliest memories of horses? Like when did you first get into them, or how did you get into horses? I have to imagine it was growing up, right? I was three years old, and my dad brought a pony home, and I had him until I was five. My memory of the pony is watching him get loaded on the trailer to leave. And I was looking at my dad, and he said it was going to the farrier to have its hooves done. The soul said, it ain't going to the farrier. I looked at my mom, and she was crying. And they were taking the horse away because we were in the process of moving from where we were to another location, and we weren't going to be able to bring the horse. But instinctively, I knew that horse was leaving me, and that was part of me leaving. And to this day, I could paint the picture of the rear end of that horse going into a horse trailer. And I, would, I, was, I got him when I was three. I was probably about five when we had to move. And to this day, I remember that horse leaving. And part of me left with that horse. I'm going to start crying over no, here. No, it's, it's, it's the gospel. And the spirituality of that animal to this day, I remember. And that's why I know horses heal. There's a spiritual entity that lives within them that if you can make the connection with it, you're, you're, in a, you're in a different realm. You're in a different space. So that's, that's inc- 
incredible and like heartwarming and heartbreaking yeah. all at the same time. I mean, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, it's the of... real world if you think about it. You, oh, yeah. Things are going to come and go in your life. And I learned it at five. Wow. And it was one of the most important things that ever happened to me. So at five. Now, growing up and stuff uh, and being into horses. Oh, man, this is hard to get into my next question because that was so good. Uh, did you remember like some of your favorite horses' names, or where, where, like where do, where do how do you get names for horses? Like because they always have some of the uh, coolest names. That's it. It's interesting. I I never name a horse that I've had until I've had the horse for a while, and I can see and feel their personality. And the name that I've given to every horse that I've had has gone with their personality, and the uh, other than one. Uh, there was one that was my favorite stallion. I used to breed horses, and he was his name was Wardrum. And there's a very famous quarter horse, black and white, called Dixie Wardrum. He came from that lineage, and he he was anything but a war horse. He was as kind as could be. You could put children on him. Anyone could ride him. Uh, his name did not fit him, other than he was a soft-spoken warrior when needed to be. Uh, a, a very incredible horse that I had, another Mustang, was called Cowboy. And he was always dancing, always moving, always doing something. But I never name a horse until I've had it, unless it's been purchased and comes with a name. Then I do not like changing their name. I wouldn't like someone changing mine. So I, I put myself in the spirit of the horse, do not change it. Yeah. And I mean, we've been talking already, and I, I mean, we already done an introdu great introduction for you. But Kevin, I, I do want to say thank you for having us out here. We're right now sitting at the uh, Rock uh, Ranch in Georgetown, and this is such a beautiful facility. Um, you know, really thank you for coming up, and you know, we're going to be talking some more horses and talking some stuff. So I can see the smile on your face, and we're ready. We're ready to go to keep going, aren't we? Well, we want to thank you all for coming out. It's much appreciated. Uh, excuse me, you're, it's very important that we get the word out on, on what happens at Rock because a lot of different things happen. But the bottom line, everything that happens, if you're out at Rock, you're being healed through horses. Yeah. And I mean, even if everything's perfect, when you leave, it's going to be more perfect. Yeah, there, They're special. There, yeah, there, there is that bond between animals. I believe it. I mean, I, I never was a cat person, but now uh, I have a, my roommate has a cat, and I love that cat. Yeah. I, I mean, it just like it just comes up purrs, and like pff, my blood pressure drops. Yeah. It just it just goes. I never consider myself. I'm a dog person. Yeah. But never consider. But I, I truly, truly believe that and stuff. As as we get into this, I want to get some more background on you because the first time I met you, you told me a story that it just knocked my socks off about your life. And we even talked a little bit about that when I first came out here today. It was in a different life in a long time ago. You were out in California. And as you would say, chasing the almighty dollar, the all corporate dollar, doing that. Um, can you describe like what you were doing there, like the type of work you were doing and stuff out in California? I loved what I did. A company, <clears throat> excuse me, transferred me from Houston out to uh, San Francisco. And we did heavy demolition. It was actually the world's largest demolition contractor. And so it was big boys and big toys. Mm -hmm. And we also got certified in environmental engineering. So after we played with the toys, blowing things up, we, we could say to ourselves, we did something good. That, that, that sounds like the story that like a kid that grew up on a farm would be doing stuff like that. It's just yeah. like, let's, let's, well, I mean, safely. It's just, I mean, you just mess with stuff and you, you oh, destroy you things, you build things back no, up. No, you do. Yeah. You know, you, you're, you're dropping buildings, you're dropping bridges. 
we did a lot of refinery work. We were a Fortune 500 company primarily. We went in and, and, and we would remove structures that needed to be removed in, in big cities in, in the financial district to build uh, additional high-rises. Uh, but a very interesting story that, that came out of, the, of doing that work. The equipment that you use in heavy demolition is, it costs millions of dollars. And frequently, we, we would have projects that may not have been in the best area of town. And so we would go set up equipment for a job, and the next morning you might come back, and the equipment's all been tagged by the local gangster and all of, all, all, all of, his, all of his followers. The, the fuel tank may have been dumped in. And so finally, I, I, I kept looking at this, and we'd put security guards on it, but I said that there has to be a better solution to this. There's a reason that these folks are doing this. And if you think of inner city kids, their, their availability of options for change in life are limited. Uh, I, I have great friends still from the inner city of Oakland and, and San Francisco. And so we got all this equipment tagged. I had friends that were in the uh, San Francisco Police Department and in Oakland. And I called them up and I said, look, I've got to do something. And I said, I want to make something positive out of this negative. P please put me in contact with the gang members. And they said, what are you going to do? I mean, heavy equipment, heavy demolition. We got a band of brothers that could come destroy them as easy as they destroyed us. And I said, no, 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 no. We're not, we're not going in looking, looking for trouble. We're looking for a solution. And they asked me before they do this, they said, well, what is your solution? And I said, a possible solution is if we can meet with these folks. Remember, I took my equipment and I put it on their turf. That's just like somebody coming out to my ranch and I wake up one morning and all of a sudden there's cows on there that weren't there before. I'm not going to appreciate it. I didn't ask these folks. I went into their neighborhood, set up equipment, which changed their life. And I said, here's what I want to do. I want to set up a contract. And what we can do with these folks is I'm going to pay them to monitor the equipment, to take care of it. And if they're willing to do that, fine. If they're not willing to do that, I also now know them and I know their face. You know, so you can go the hardball or you can go softball. We'll mm -hmm. figure out what we're going to do. Never did it go to hardball and never did I think it would have to. But what was fascinating was once we got in, they took pride in ownership or protection of our equipment. They became part of our team and we became one team instead of two disjointed units going in different directions. And in getting to know them over the years, what eventually happened, they knew I had horses. They knew I lived in the East Bay. Most of these projects were in San Francisco or Oakland. And they'd say, you know, Kevin, how about if we, you know, can we come out and pet a horse? I said, sure. So we set up barbecue. There's something that's innate, I believe, in every human being. And it's a relationship to nature that we've lost over the years. And what was fascinating, you would see these individuals that had only seen steel, concrete, glass, asphalt. All of a sudden, they go up and they put their hand on a horse, a living being, sentient. And sentient's a key word. They're a feeling animal. So the animal will reflect your feelings. Some of the guys would put their hands up, and boy, the horse would jump back. Others would put it up, and you'd see the horse come in. Others would be neutral. But through the process of them touching these horses, yeah, they, it's emotional. Yeah, you, I can tell. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm speechless because this, this is the first time I met you. 
And I hear you tell this story and I'm like, I'm going to put my, I don't know if I would have thought of this. I don't know if I would have done this. I would have went in there and I would have probably been angry. I would have been mad. I'm trying to get this job done. And you see these kids coming in doing this and like, and I didn't even hear this part of the story when you were like, how would you feel if your turf was being invaded? And I'm like, I didn't even think of it that way. And for you to think of it that way, and then you developed what it's called the Kind and Wild Ranch. Kind and Wild Ranch. And he brought these kids inner city to there, and it changed their lives. It changed their lives. And they'd come out, ride the horses. They'd get to do things on the property, jump on a tractor, you know, help me do some things. But I, I think what it does is it, Michael, brought us all back to a common yeah. unit. And it, it lives within all of us. Yeah. And, and we, we, we get disjointed from that. And when you unify it again, it's amazing. Yeah, you, I appreciate it. You heard the first podcast with Will, and you spoke, a, I, I think it touched your heart. Because when I first walked in here, you're like, oh, my God, Will's dad, Will's dad, that finding that shaking, sticking out your hand and just finding that comment, like, hi, my name's Kevin. How are you today? Yeah. And that's all it took, wasn't it? That's it. That's it. And, and the fascinating aspect, just as there are different horses they're different humans obviously i remember the first time i met will out here i got to know him just barely barely then we did an intake before uh he he came into to our classes that we have and the fascinating aspect of it was listening to that man's stories and what i what i left with was he had a mentor as a father and remember he's a foster child and I, I remember him, he would always put out his right hand and, say, and his father would and say, son, sit down. And there would be something being mentored. Uh, his, his mother, the, him telling me that uh, at first, at the first time of, of, of uh, actually trying to adopt after he was, a, was foster with this particular family who became his eventual family, there, there was a cost to adopt a foster child. I didn't know that. And he said, his mother looked him right in the eye and said, we'll be back. Yeah. Man, and it's, it, it fascinates me, people and where they come from, how they get there. But how does, that, how does that flavor of that day mold them? And he was molded in an incredible way. Yeah, he's truly a one, he's of, a special. Kind, one of a kind person. He, he really and he'd is. He'd be the first to say that. He, he would came. be the first to say he's one of a kind. I don't know, I don't know about one of a kind, but he'd be, he'd be the first to say it would be. He was, he was, yeah, he, yeah. He'd be safe to yeah. say that he was just very fortunate to have the loving family around him. I yeah. mean, very lucky. And well, I feel fortunate to have met him. Yeah. I really do. So it's a better day after you meet the gentleman. I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're, we gotta, if we keep going down this trail, I might, I might be in a... a plop of tears on this with everybody on the other side of this. Oh, we'll get to good, fun stories. These are all good stories. They are good stories. But they're emotional and they go to the core. And I think, again, with the engineering background, you can do anything with a good foundation. You can can go up a hundred stories. If your foundation is poor, you're going to crash eventually. And people like Will build good foundations. Okay. So let's let's take this trip back into Texas here because we are in Texas, out of California. Wow. How many years ago did you get back in Texas and like your involvement, you know, getting involved with the rock here? How many years ago was that? So five years ago, I'm in, in Northern California and I'm in the process of going through a divorce. Good divorces as divorces go, if there can be such a thing, but it really was. But my dad was ill and my mom had just come off 
uh, open heart surgery. So I decided to come back. I was going to take a leave from the marriage. And so I packed up a truck with literally cowboy boots, shirts, and jeans. 97 Ford F-350, it's still my baby. I uh, brought him out here. And I remember I had been here a couple days, and I'm sitting in my dad's kitchen. And my I wasn't as fortunate as Will. My dad was not a mentor. He was a very good man, but he was not a mentor. He was someone that set examples in different ways. And the one thing that he gave me in my life, in retrospect, is what he gave me with Rock. There was an article in the Sun newspaper, and it was on Rock. Cover, cover the front page. And again, I had horses out west, and he said, well, son, while you're here, you might want to go out here because you could at least be around horses. I remember reading the article, and it, it you know talked about Nancy Krennic, talked about what Rock does, talked about how they started. I think the Brightwells may even have been in that interview. And I looked at it, and I said, yeah, this is definitely something I, I would be interested in. And I was interested in it almost more from a business perspective because I was going to go back, I, I had thought at that time, and continue Kind and Wild, which I was going to make a 501c3, turn it into a nonprofit, bring folks out. So I came out on a Friday. Nancy Krennic was here, uh, Susan McCricker, and Sonny Ernst. They were in the front office. There was very little going on that day. It was late in the afternoon. And if, if we, you'll know this because of your farm background. Mm. To me, dirt talks to me, literally mm. right through my feet, yeah. through your hands when you're touching it. I walked on this property, and it was special. I didn't know what. I didn't know that much about it then. Uh, funny story, I came the back route back here off 110, and you drive by, and one of the board members, when this facility was built, Joe McSpadden, decided we needed advertising, so he printed rock across the back. Uh, as I went by, it, it looked like a rave house. And, I, <laughs> you know, you, you're way out there, and it looks like where somebody comes for parties. And I remember coming around, though, driving in, and as soon as my feet touched that dirt that's still in this arena, some, it, it just said, yes, this is a good spot. Again, thinking I'm only going to be here a month, I ended up uh, calling up after meeting with Nancy. We walked around, and she let me go out there by myself a little bit. You know, not inside the pastures. Gosh, she knows we can't say anything like that. Uh, Shannon, our, our, our health and safety officer, mm -hmm. we'd, we'd get reprimanded. <laughs> but I was standing outside the fence, looking at the horses. Came back up, said, I, I think I'll be back. And, and she had talked to me about volunteering. And I asked when the next class was. It was going to be in a few weeks. And I said, found out how to sign up, signed up for it, came out. The interesting aspect when you first volunteer at Rock you may come out for the horses, or you may come out for the riders. But before you can be a horse handler, which is actually leading and grooming and saddling the horses, you have to be a, a volunteer that is, it's called sidewalking. You're, you're the protector of whoever, whatever sacred package is in that saddle. Because horses, there's no such thing as a bomb-proof horse. At any time, something could happen, and you're there for the safety of the rider. I still remember the day, the first rider I had, he was a very petite young man. Uh, he, he was five years old then, he's now 11. Uh, he, he had incredible difficult diagnosis. He had to be placed on the horse. 
he could not walk. He, he comes in a, in a wheelchair. And we put him, put him in the saddle. And I think Nancy may even have been there that day, or Jen, uh, two of the people that literally drew me in. But we're in the arena, and I'm his sidewalker. And I'm looking up at him. Now remember, I'm going through a divorce. Uh, my, my dad and I don't get along, and he uh, the, really prognosis was that he wouldn't live. He did, and prognosis for my mom was she wouldn't live, but she did. But so I'm not in a great space, and I look behind me, and here's this little man that his, his, his prognosis for lifespan because of his, his uh, situation is not extended. It's, he's not going to be 60. He's got a smile on his face. And man, I remember all of a sudden everything turned inside. And I go, you better cowboy up here, buckaroo. Cowboy <laughs> You know, it, if, if, he can, if he can smile through this, you best get a hold of yourself. I got hooked. I volunteered for a couple years. I asked what it took to be a, an instructor. And next thing I know, I'm calling out West saying I'm not coming back. And I've been doing it now for three years, teaching total time out here, five. And that individual that day is now somebody that I instruct, and oh, he's wow. eleven. Wow. Yeah. And we, and we were talking beforehand, uh, you know, because I'm a, I'm a, I'm admitting this live. I'm a bookworm. I'm a book. I, I just I I got to keep getting through book and book. And, and great last, knowledge. I, I, I yeah. want you to keep passing that on, please. I know it's just this. No, it's but good. my brain is starting to explode though because I think I just is yeah. coming in so much here. I got faith in you. You got faith. I was doing some reading, and in my own experience, you know, in that kind of situation, we were talking about the idea of volunteerism, and the these psychologists, these books I'm reading, the stats are showing that if you volunteer two hours a week, every week, in one year, whatever anxiety depression you go it, it's the hardest one to do i mean every, it, it's it's tough to commit that much but year after year the improvements is unbelievable and you we even talked about you brought up a great point is this and i remember the same thing when you focus on somebody else and not your own it just changes the whole dynamic it's like a you would you call it a reset it resets a computer. it's like almost like a. Zzz, it does it yeah. is yeah it's like electroshock. It, it literally does. Because what happens, once you're serving someone else, and in particular here with horses, and we discussed this, if you have an individual on a horse, that precious package on, on in that saddle better be the only thing you're thinking about. Because yeah. at any time, that's a 1,200-pound animal, big move, bad things can happen. Yeah. You have to be present and in the moment, which is every cliche sight phrase but it's true but it's in today. practice you can't it's not it's, it's more than the cliche you have to do it there's, you have to do you it. have to there's no you choice. are in that moment you are present accountable and purposefully there and guess what kevin doesn't matter then it's the individual in the seat yeah and it's a pretty cool thing it, it's, it's un unbelievable like 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 you said, the, the farm background, when I first walked out here the first time, I'm like, wow, this place is amazing. So let's let's talk about this place. Yeah. I know we've, we've been going back and forth yeah. about Live Ourselves. So let's talk about The Rock because anybody unfamiliar with it, what does The Rock stand for? Because there's initials, there's this, the whole thing. On Rock it. is right on center for kids. Okay. And when Nancy Krennic started it about 20 years ago now, and you can't see it obviously, but there's some little red buildings out there that she started on about two or three acres. Uh, George and Barbara Brightwell owned the original 20 that, it, that ended up being rock. It's now currently on 60, but it started on their 20. Nancy leased about two to five acres for like, the Brightwells were incredible people. 
they're incredible philanthropists. They like the cause. And her belief was she's a physical therapist by trade and more could be done after doing reading. And I, I believe it's been done in Europe much longer than it has in the United States. The movement of the horse mimics the walk of a human. And so essentially what it can do for someone who can't walk is it resets their computer and it's sending messages to the muscles that they cannot do through the brain to move in certain ways. And through that process, it develops the core. It develops cognitive uh, capabilities that they did not necessarily have in the past. And so, and, and she'll tell you this to this day, her vision was not rock as it exists. Her vision was to assist and to serve and to give back, never thinking it would grow the, into this. This it, place is, it, it, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's, it's well-maintained. It's the horses, the first time I was here, you yeah. get to help walk the horse yeah. around. Um, one of the things that's you know near and dear to my heart or to the share the will as part of our thing is, is veterans. And you guys have expanded to helping veterans as well here. Can you talk about a little bit of that experience with veterans? That started 15 years ago. And I was fortunate when I came out five years ago to be able to volunteer in that department. The, the forethought was given by Scott Chuley up at Fort Hood and Joe McSpadden and Nancy. And they got together and what, what was happening, Scott Chuley noticed that veterans were coming back, amputees in particular at that time. And there, there was a thought, well, what can we do for these people? To, to give them back some of their life, which has been taken away. Well, they decided that horses would be a good means and method to do this. Because again, the, 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 the one phrase that, that is just, it's etched in stone with me, and it has been since I was a child, horses heal, yeah. they just do. So they, 15 years ago, they decided that what they were gonna, going to do is train some soldiers up at Fort Hood, uh, they, they would have amputees, they would use horses. I believe they used the horses up at uh, First Cab then. Okay. And that was, that was the beginning of Rock. So it was Scott Shuley, Nancy Krennic, and Joe McSpadden. And they had a vision, and from there, it's grown to where it is today. It's always in an evolutionary process. Things change. Uh, we, with the diagnosis of PTSD now, which was there then, but not as not as up forefront as it is now. Uh, we, we you do not have to have a diagnosis to come here. You don't. Any veteran who has served, it is our privilege and our obligation to give back to that vet by allowing them to come here and at no cost to them for their first 24 lessons at Rock, they 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 get to ride. Right now, all funding is gathered through private grants. Yeah. Or private donations and it's an expensive issue yeah and that's and that's one thing i want to get into about the rock here too um because when we're talking about it right now i mean like but just to give a little bit of a picture here you said it's on 60 acres you have a facility how many people are here at the rock like uh workers like how many you have how many you have basically total full and part-time they're about 24 to 26 employees mm -hmm. there are 350 volunteers and we talked about and i hope people hear this and still needing more and still needing more and we, if we, if we go through like on both sides of the coin if you're feeling out there like hey i want to give back i want to do something just two hours a week yeah that you, you just it's just that small step yeah now before just coming out here and stuff there is a process because i think one of the things that i remember when i first came out here safety is number one safety 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 and 
it's a whole process here. Everybody takes it very serious. There's, I, I don't know, uh, and how we can probably go on probably for an hour and a half talking about the depth of safety at right. this place. But I do want to let everybody know out here how safe you guys take the, the concerns out here, uh, how staff, but it can get better. Always rooms for improvement. Always, always room, room for, for improvement. improvement. Always uh, more staff we can want to hire. More staff. Be, because yeah. one of the things I was discussing with you uh, beforehand, your program is so successful and people and built off of 20 acres, you guys have to make sometimes tough decisions and because everybody was wanting to come out here. Can you want to explain to that a little bit, how, how tough and you know what people are listening to what they can do to help out Re really tough decisions because there's always a greater need than we are able to serve always and that's that's nationally not just rock we have a waiting list and it's that to our credit the people that ride don't give up their seat they want to keep coming back to the person trying to get in the saddle for the first time and get on site it's very frustrating for them we're in the process, we have a capital campaign going right now, uh, which we're trying to generate five million additional dollars to build a new arena just across from this one. This one's 100 by 200. The next one will be similar in size and scope. And we, we currently have about 30 horses and we still have a waiting list with that. Uh, in an arena at one time, maximum horse capacity is probably six horses. Uh, classes last an hour. You know, you can do the math. Yeah. And it does. It it serves. It's just not. It's just not enough. No, we're serving probably 130 now uh, of clients, not including vets, who are probably another 50. Uh, basically, you're running around 200 count for for client base. Plus, if the client base, if getting additional funds can maybe help the burden for what the family might have to pay too, if you can lower that cost for them. I mean, it's we can go down a winding river for another two right. hours of, right. of that, but. It's just the little, the little things can add up, whether it's volunteering here, because like me, it's like I'm still starting out, like I maybe not be able to afford $10, hundred dollars $500 towards that, but sure. maybe my time. And your time's even more valuable. Yeah. The money's required. Well, the money's mandated, but your time is even more valuable. Well, look at just like when you first got here, at that time in your life, what was going on? And oh, see yeah. That, I mean, it, it you was just a circus. needed it. You just needed that. I needed it. Oh, I don't know if you could put a price tag on you it. You couldn't. You I couldn't. Could. I literally, probably to a degree, rock saved my life. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, I was thinking of suicide or something like that, but I, I'll guarantee you, rock improved my quality gave of life. Purpose. It gave me purpose. It gave me purpose. You and I discussed a little bit. I had never served in my life. Yeah. I chased the corporate dollar for yeah. 30 years. And I, 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 you would hear the word serve. I never really knew what serve and service was till I hit that red dirt out there. And what, what happens, Michael, is, is at the end of a day, or the end of a session, not even the day, similar to my story with the first individual that I served out there, you look back in that saddle and you see the smile on his face. You take him to his parents or caregiver. You see the smile on their face. You have given that parent one hour of peace in a day that the other 23, they can only focus on that child. That's it. A lot of these, a lot of the writers that come out, especially the children, they cannot take care of themselves, soul source. Uh, with a different diagnosis of, of, of children that are out here. If they're on the autism spectrum, they, you, you have to have eyes on. Yeah. They can hurt themselves, they can hurt others. But that sense of service that you get here and the sense of service that anyone, I promise you, coming out would receive after they leave, uh, if you talk to any of the volunteers, they, it's life-changing to them. It really is. Yeah. 
and they just well, give, and give, give and give. I think the, the word you give is hope. It's hope. It's hope. That's it's, all we can ask is. for. Sometimes yeah. it, it, it may not make the next day better or yeah. the day before or whatever, but it, it's hope. Yeah. It's a thing that we, as humans, we cling on to. And that hope comes from the communication and the connection that yeah. takes place. Yeah. That, not only that, you connect with the horse, you connect with people. That too. Well, Kevin, I this this has been really cool. I, I only I do have a, one question left uh, for you. Uh, it's a little a little more personal, but is this a before, trick one? <laughs> well, yeah, quick. But before we get into, it, I'm going to post on the notes. Uh, it's therockride.org. You can get all the information. In fact, they have a barn dance coming up on April April fourth. April fourth. So that's our number one fundraiser for the for the year. Yeah. And they can find out about that. Go to so our go, go to, to our the website, website and events and yeah, all that stuff. So yeah. So please, if you want to, you know, check these guys out, see what they do. Yeah. One of the hardest things, and I think I want to appreciate you about telling these stories. It's hard to get these stories out because when you're dealing, there's such privacy here. You have to be careful of safety. Right. You know, so it's not like everybody can just keep walking through and see what's going on. No. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to tell the stories and everything to that as for. But before we get out of here, okay, I told you I grew up on the farm, but I grew up in Michigan. I don't consider myself a cowboy. How do I become a cowboy? What do I need to do? I gotta learn to do some two stepping. I know I'm in Texas. I, I'm I don't I don't know if I want to give away that I'm I'm still a, a single guy and I, I heard I need to get Detroit, I heard I heard Texas I heard I need to get me a good Texas woman and and I I got I got to learn 11 years here and I still don't know how to two step. Do not ever date a cowgirl. Why? That's the first thing. Never date a cowgirl. Uh, Once yo, that yo, young I just lady, lost I just lost half my audience. Here's why. Here's why. Once that young lady knows how to take care of a 1200 pound animal, a man ain't nothing. She will <laughs> run you ragged, brother. Run you ragged. No, they're great women. They're great ladies. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But seriously, being a cowboy is just an attitude. Just an you attitude. You could live in New York City. Even in New York City. Even in New York City. You know, speaking of, we talked about some movies here. You know the one that I always love as a comedy is The Cowboy Way with Woody Harrelson and uh, Keith, uh, uh, Keith or Sutherland, Sutherland Jr. Yeah. That one, that one always cracked me up. Yeah. Those cow, two cowboys in New yeah. York City yeah. walking around yeah. and everyone just, that's, you're right. That attitude they brought it's in. It's attitude. There. It's oh, attitude. Man. Just do the right thing. Say, do what you say you're going to do. Yeah. Take care of business. Be honest. Never take anything that isn't yours. But, but do I have to learn how to ride a horse and no. like rope one? No. I haven't been able to ride in three years. I had hip replacement. They cut through a nerve. I, I sit on a horse. My leg cramps up, yeah. and, and the ladies out here have to pull me off with a crane. It's disgusting to watch. But, but in my mind, I'm still straight-up cowboy. I got a Mustang I'm working with on my property now. You can do it on the ground. You can do it in the saddle. But being a cowboy is in the head. In the head? It's in the head. You're there. I'm there? I've already talked I'm to you. I'm a cowboy. You're okay. a cowboy. You know, all the girls You're are going to hear this. I don't... My... my I, I don't know. This is I don't know yeah. if this is a good thing or a bad You're, thing. No, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Just don't ever wear tight jeans that grab the top of the boot. Okay. And are three inches too short from the drag in the bottom of the boot. Okay, we're gonna we're after this. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. We'll go to Cavenders, we're gonna get you a hat. We're gonna get your jeans set up. You're gonna be rocking it. Just no, just just don't be making the mistake of getting those chaps and you walking out the store because I heard on the back it's like air fresh on the way out. You know, you don't want to make sure to wear those ones. And never wear spurs. Never wear spurs. Never wear spurs. Well, we talk, well, and one that's because the Clint. That's Eastwood. a wannabe cowboy. Yeah, well, the Clint Eastwood one movie. Remember the spurs give him away in, yeah. the, in the Good, Bad, and the Ugly because yeah. he hear the spurs. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to give myself no. away. No, you're a cowboy. I'm a cowboy. You've been christened. It's officially. I'm a it's cowboy. Official. Oh, it's oh official. Oh my God. Now, you're in. Now I'm a complete. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming out. We love you being part of the share the wheel. You are part of. The, the family and and for always so I, I don't know what else to say but we love you and I, I'm literally gonna have to get like a box with Kleenex because I'm gonna be crying for the rest of the night because that was just so heartfelt warm stories that you told well y'all are welcome and everybody come on out and 
I, I get a hold of us out here. Uh, everybody's always welcome to walk in and come under the front desk and we'll see if we can't get you to pet a horse and do some things. I guarantee you, once you step foot, what yeah. I call the cathedral on the hill, and that's what I call, that's my nickname for rock. It's the cathedral on the hill, has been. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll never want to leave. You well, just don't. Well, that's great. Well, we hope, we hope everybody comes up. But, Kevin, thanks again. I love you for having me out here. Thank you, Michael. We love you. We love Will. And we love your cause.